Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. We are getting into part four of our series on rest and I changed the picture a bit um, just to, to spruce things up a bit. And um, so I said when, uh, when Christy said, be shrewd as vipers, I was smiling. Because, um, you know, if you go to a tropical island, if you ever watched something like uh, Survivor, then you always see the nice beach and you see the turquoise water and you see the palm trees. And, and then in a program like Survivor, they will pan into the scene of the danger, the scorpions, the snakes, the spiders. So there's always that lurking danger in the midst of the oasis, in the midst of, of the rest, in the midst of um, this beautiful paradise. And if you think even on the original paradise, the Garden of Eden, um, they were at rest, but there was a serpent. So you need to watch out for the serpent. And I promise you, I've studied this out, and it is amazing what God has done, that we can be at rest in the snake pit. Like, you can be at rest in a snake pit, because of what God has done and what he's doing. And it's awesome to see that it's, it's almost progressingly getting better. So I thought I'm going to share on the footstool, um, because, I mean, if you ever had a lazy boy, you just know that a footstool adds to the comfort. I mean. <laughs> uh, so when your enemy becomes your footstool, it is adding to the rest that you're already experiencing. Okay, so Jesus said he's seated in heaven, but until your enemy has made your footstool. So he's actually reclining even more. Amen? And so will we, when we get our new body, according to 1 Corinthians 15, um, we will be at rest even more. But, I mean, I'm not afraid to say that I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of that, necessarily. Um, I don't like snakes. Okay? I, I, I can deal with a spider. Um, I, we had to deal with a scorpion before. Um, I've had to deal with a snake. I'm going to have to tell you this story quickly, uh, to my own shame. So, it was in lockdown. And um, I think it was a Sunday morning, actually, and we were doing church online. And, um, like, you still had to get ready, because you had to, I don't know, you, some of you didn't have your camera on, so you didn't have to get ready. I had the camera on, so I had to get ready. And I remember one morning, there was a small snake in our kitchen. Just a small slug eater or mulfreter, but I don't care. Like, it needs to be done away with. So uh, I had to pull up my, uh, my, my manliness because I can see man funny ice, and I can't expect my wife to deal with this. So I just said to her, I'll take the, the broom, and you open the back door. Okay, so we had a team effort. And I was so focused on getting this snake, this intruder, out of my house. So what Natasha did, she went to the back door, she opened the back door, and she went outside. Okay, so that was, that was a mistake. Because <laughs> I was so fixated on the snake, and I was driving this, I mean, it's a small snake, come on, like... But it felt real. Nah? Like I was the man of the house. I was cleansing the atmosphere. And I was so fixated with this broom. And I was going around the corner behind the fridge. And we have a quite a, if you've been to our house, to get to the back bride. It's quite intricate through the kitchen. And I was like maneuvering it. And I'm just like, it shouldn't jump or go under the fridge or under the, the, um, the washing machine. I mean, that would be terrible. I mean, I need to be doing church in a few minutes. And as I go over the back door, and I realized the snake is now outside. I have this release. Okay, so I'm now... 
And in celebration, I flick it. <laughs> directly into my beautiful wife. <laughs> who was standing on the outside and waiting for me to bring the snake out so that she can go back in. And I flicked it and she had to jump like she did like a Matrix move. And the snake went like under her legs and my eyes were just like her eyes as the snake was mid-air our eyes locked and it was horror and shock and how could you and why did I and like you know the whole book played out right in that moment <laughs> and she was like what did you think I'm like I didn't think I celebrated <laughs> I didn't look at her I looked at the snake you see so the problem is if we become so fixated on the snake then we make a mess Amen. Then we even hurt those we love. And I think that is what really religion does. As we can hurt so many people if we're all about, you need to live right, do right, be right, speak right. I mean, even the confession police. You know the confession police? No, 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 you can't say that. You have to speak life. You have to... I'm like, come on. Just be real. Amen. Just be real. So, we're looking at how to be at rest in the midst of serpents. So, Luke 10 verse 19 says, Behold... I give unto you power to tread on or trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Okay, so what is the, the, the key word here is trample on. Okay, I'm going to give you three instances and I want you to see the difference. Trample on. You can trample on serpents. Jesus sends out them two by two in Luke 10. He says, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. So in verse 20, he's already saying, I'm not speaking about snakes. Okay, so the context is spirits. Okay, moving on. He says, rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Mark 16, verse 15. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach what? The gospel to every creature. Not anything else. Amen. We have one command. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name will they cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues. That's all spiritual, isn't it? Casting out a devil, spiritual. Speaking in tongues, spiritual. They will take up serpents. This is really where it got excited for me. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall by no means hurt them, they shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we see in Luke 10 that he says you can trample on serpents. And in Mark 16, after the cross, he says now you can take up serpents. There's a different verb there. And I don't know about you, but my mind sort of went to what Paul did in Acts 28, where he made a fire and a snake bit him. And then he, the word there is he shook it off. Okay, so we have trample on, taking up and shaking off. Who agrees with me? That's different. Okay, so nothing is by chance in the Bible. So if I see that, then I always say, like, you know those guys who look for lost jewelry on the beach? And then they have these earphones, and they beep, 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 and then you, know, you see them go there. So when I see something like that, I'm like, beep, 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 then I start digging, because I know there's gold there. Okay, so I don't know about you, to be bitten by a snake when you make a fire, that's not by choice. To trample on a snake, maybe it's by choice, but you did not go and look for the snake. The snake come unto you. But Mark 16 is a bit more arrogant in a way. There's something there, like you will take up a serpent. So you can go and, you can go snake hunting. That's what Jesus says. 
Okay, you can go snake hunting. Now, again, I'll, I'll be the first to phone the security to come and take up the snakes whenever they come. But this is spiritual. The word take up in the Greek there in Mark 16 means to pick up and remove. Okay, it's like picking up litter. Like you, you're picking it up and you're doing away with it. You're not just picking it up and entertaining it. So, for me then, to pick up snakes or serpents is a picture of overcoming your enemies. Okay, well, now what is our enemy? We're going to have to look at that. So, it's a different Greek word than even we have in John 3. In John 3, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus and he says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that's a fourth different verb. Okay, so we have trample on, we have taking up, we have shaking off, and now we have lifting up. And it all has to do with serpents. Okay? Now, um, he didn't come to church to hear a, a message on serpents, I'm sure, but it will get better, don't worry. So Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, obviously speaking to where the bronze snake was lifted up, a picture of the cross, and as they looked unto the snake on the cross, defeated, they became whole and healed. Okay, now, in John 3, Jesus says, that was a prophetic foreshadow of what is going to happen now. As it happened there, it's going to happen with me. Okay? It's a picture of the cross. Now, when I think about taking up a serpent, I was meditating on it. I'm like, where, where, where do we have this? And I realized that that's what God instructed Moses to do. Okay? So God instructs Moses in Exodus 4. And it is a prophetic alignment and picture which we need to dig in to get the full message this morning. So Exodus 4 and verse 1 says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me or hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto you. And the Lord said unto him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. So God is sending Moses, He's calling Moses to go speak to the Israelites. And now Moses says, But the Israelites won't believe that I have a message from God. He says, okay, what do you have? He says, he has a rod. Now, a rod is a support, it's authority, it's power, it's how you guide sheep, but it's also a a, a walking aid. Now, he says, cast it to the earth. I like the Young's literal translation there, and maybe we will look at the earth and the heaven uh, soon, and how that differs. But cast it to the earth, and he casts it to the earth, and it becomes a serpent. Now, just think of it. You have this walking stick. God says, throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground, and all of a sudden it becomes a snake. Now we read the story, we've read it before, so we know what's going to happen. Put yourself in Moses' shoes for a moment. You put the stick on the ground, the next moment it turns into a snake. <laughs> okay? I would do exactly what he, what he did there in Exodus 4. And it says, and Moses flees or fled from its presence. So Moses ran away. Amen? His rod became a snake and he ran away. I don't blame him. Okay? I don't blame him at all. Now God says unto Moses in verse 4, Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. Pick it up. And don't pick it up behind the head. If you know how you pick up a snake, behind the head so the fangs don't come out. Or if it comes out, it's not facing towards you. So it says, um, reach out and take it by the tail. And he reached out and he caught it and became a rod in his hand again. It is the stupidest thing in the world if you're going to deal with snakes to pick it up by the tail. Okay, now there's a picture there for us that faith is not according to the wisdom of man. 
Okay, faith is not according to the wisdom of man. Faith is doing, hearing from God and doing what He says. Now, the gospel, who would agree with me, is not according to the wisdom of man. That's why religion, and when we say religion, we mean performance and things and effort to be right with God. If we have performance, effort, and things, traditions, um, whatever that you need to do to be right with God, it's man-made. Because all the religions of the world has that, including religious Christianity. You need to fast, you need to pray, you need to confess, you need to tithe, you need to uh, dress like this, do like this, clean up your act before you come to God. We've just heard that's the testimony from Solaris. Now, that is man's wisdom, isn't it? It makes sense. You want to appease a higher being? You want to, you want to go to someone who's more holy than you? Then you want to dress up, clean up? You want to spray double deodorant that morning? Like you, you don't want to offend this high holy God, would you? You want to be clean. And even if we look at the commandments, the law, as God gives, He gives it actually because they ask for it. Okay, remember that. God didn't want to give them a king. They wanted a king. And I was meditating on this, and, and, and don't quote me, I'm still thinking about it, but was David really God's second choice? I think he was, but he made a point. Because Saul ticked all the boxes of what the people thought a king would be. And then even Samuel goes and he looks for the, the copy of Saul. He looks for the one who's second most handsome in the land, second tallest, second, and he sees David's oldest brother. And God speaks to him and says, no, 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 no. You look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. So God makes, uh, um, and I mean, if you think about it now, even I believe if you speak to an Israelite or a Hebrew person, they would regard David higher than Saul. It's the David star. It's not, nothing from Saul is really what they're proud of. Yet Saul is what man's wisdom would have picked. So God's making a, 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 um, making a statement, if you will, a teaching, to say, hey, don't just look at the outward appearance. And then look at the heart. And that's the same for us. When we look at ourselves, we might not be the strongest, the most handsome, the wisest, the, the, the richest, but God looks at the heart. When we go to Solaris Pass or areas like that, every person is the same worth. There's no big Christian and small Christian. There's no high value and low value. The word is full of it. Okay. So Moses says, put up, or God says, put your hand, and he takes it by the tail. He puts forth his hand, he caught it, and now it becomes a, a rod again. You realize what that is, do you? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Authority came down to earth. He who knew no sin became sin, so that he could take our place so that we can now be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now the snake is picked up and defeated and the fear of the snake is dealt with because the enemy has been defeated on the cross, the wooden rod. So now we're lifted with him. That's the gospel right there. So God is explaining to Moses something much bigger than what we think. What is interesting then, that speaks of power and authority. So the rod came to earth, it was on the earth, it became a snake, was overcome and raised again into heaven. Now what God instructs Moses, like I said, is unwise to man. So the only reason you would pick up a snake by the tail is if you want to die. <laughs> if you want to do a, um, a harm to yourself. 
Now, except if you're laying down your life and you be crucified with Christ and you do what God says, then it's the wisest thing that you can do. Not because you're not looking at what God says, you, you're doing what He says. You're not evaluating, is this good or not? Is this wise or not? You, you're just saying, this is what God said. Go into Solaris Pass. Take two days leave. It's unwise. What is your family going to say in December? What did God say? Remember I said last week, some of you are going to sit here and you're going to wish that you came because of the great testimonies we're going to have. Selah. Okay? Now look at this. In 1 Corinthians 2, we look at man's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. I'm building somewhere. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear, in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. When I listen to teachings, and it's very enticing, and it sounds very wise, but there's not a lot of Scripture and power, I, I, I become uneasy. Okay? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 7 says, instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before, now in a mystery. It is His secret plan, destined before the ages, to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it. For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. Man's wisdom crucified Jesus. And then brought about its own defeat. Where God's wisdom is, lay down your life. Whoever wants to be first must be last. Serve. Love is to give. Where man says, I need to take. Success is to have more. Love is to give more. Laying down your life is the greatest form of love. Not becoming more popular. So he says, even this one, um, the, the, even the, the, the present, it, it speaks really of the spiritual powers that be, did not understand what was happening. So they thought it was victory, yet it was not, not theirs. By, by laying down Jesus and murdering Jesus, they actually brought about their own death warrant. Okay, let's go on. Back to Exodus. Why was Moses instructed to take up the serpent? It's a good question. Because he didn't want to be killed by a snake. No, that's not the answer. <laughs> and they believed, verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared unto you. So he says these signs are for one reason, and the reason is that God has appeared unto you. So now that's the reason. Now, why do we then have signs and wonders? Mark 16, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that believes not will be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name will they cast out devils, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. Okay, now I trust you've got the picture again. You need to go snake hunting. This is not just when a serpent comes to you by chance. And I believe this speaks of doctrine. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now to the ancient people, the serpent was an emblem of cunning wisdom, and of the devil. So what looks wise can be demonic. I think it's um, the book of James that says that there's two kinds of wisdom. And we spoke about it last year. And the one is earthly and 
devilish, demonic, where the other one is godly, unto edification. So whatever looks wise isn't wise. Wise wisdom is a virtue that people honor, but make sure it's not the wisdom of man. Amen? That was a different teaching last year. We are therefore called to remove the lies hidden in religion and in the wisdom of this world. We are to focus solely on the simplicity of Christ. So it really becomes so beautiful. Like There is a lot of snakes around. Some of them have skins on like us. But it's not who it is, it's what they teach. It's what they bring. It's lying, it's cunning, it's crafty, it's wordy, but it's wrong. (laughs) It's drawing people unto themselves, not unto Christ. And there's a beguilement that happens because Paul is now doing something like this, where he goes snake hunting in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 1 from the Amplified. It says, I wish you would bear with me while I indulge in a little foolishness. But indeed, you are bearing with me as you read this. I am jealous for you. With a godly jealousy, because I have promised you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Now, I believe that speaks not of what you do, because we all had mistakes, but but what you believe. What do you believe? Because if your heart is ready, then you're ready to conceive. If your heart is clean and pure and soft. But I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning... So you see that cunning, craftiness, worldly wisdom, wordiness. Your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of Christ. So that's why I say, we, if we are so sure about our message, about our identity, about our purpose, about the fact that we're forgiven, then we can go snake hunting. We don't just deal with the snake when it comes, but like Christy said, we can go into the snake pit. Amen? And we can go pick up snakes, and we can go tackle lies, and we can bring truth, and we can shine the light, and we can bring gospel power into a world that so desperately needs it. Not according to the wisdom of man, but according to the power of God. Isn't that just amazing? So you do not need to be afraid of snakes. Amen? Not just will you trample on them, not just can you shake them off, not just has they been lifted up, but no, we can go snake hunting, we can go pick them up. And in our own hearts, that's what Christy said, I like, he says he's going he's to deal with it in his heart. The songs we listen to, that's drinking poison sometimes. It's not just you'll drink something when someone wants to put cyanide in your tear. And I believe it includes that. Okay? But there's a spiritual reality. Paul did not brag about the fact that the snake bit him and he didn't fall over. To the world it was a sign. To him it was like, this is not the most important thing. What's the most important thing? The gospel. Amen? Preaching the gospel. Because that's where we are at rest. So, for you seem willing to allow it if one comes and preaches another gospel, another Jesus, to whom we have not preached. Or if you receive a different spirit from the one you've received. Or a different gospel from the one you accepted. You tolerate all this beautifully, welcoming in the deception. So, I mean, you're not, even Jesus said, if you, um, this is all coming together, if, you're, if your child asks you for food, you're not going to give him a snake. So that's why we're not just teaching anything in kids' church. We're giving them truth. We're giving them spiritual truth. We're not giving, we're not allowing snakes to go about. You will not sleep when there's a snake around, will you? No, you need to deal with it. You need to renew your mind. You need to get it in. You need to get the truth in, get the snake out. 
Can, can I give you one more example before we close? You're very rustig today. I, I, I feel it. So why can we be at rest and why do we not have to be afraid of snakes? So in the context of today, we're obviously not speaking about snakes. If a cobra comes into my house, I'm not going to go pick it up. I'm going to call snake patrol. You know why? Because I want to live to preach the gospel. Amen. <laughs> I've got a calling that I want to preserve this body. Amen. If the snake so happens to bite me, I know there's faith. I know there's a promise. But I'm not going to go test it. Okay? So please don't go and play with snakes. This is a spiritual... <laughs> I'm putting a disclaimer in. I'm going to have you all sign it as you leave. This is a spiritual truth. Amen? And I'll show you it. And, 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 and I'm going to debunk something that all of us have maybe held on to dearly at the end. So you can keep your seatbelt tightened. It's going to get exciting and then it's going to get serious. You're ready for it. Okay. So we have this picture of Moses putting down the rod... Turning into a snake, Moses running away, God saying, come back Moses, come back Moses, I'm with you, pick it up. And I'm sure there's a bit more dialogue, but Moses wrote Exodus, so he, he, he protected his own reputation, I'm sure. Okay? And he, Moses picked it up. It technically didn't say that he picked it up at the tail. But anyways, that's something that my mind goes to. It's not important for today. In Exodus 7... Exodus 7 and verse 8, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron. So now Aaron comes on the scene. And Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you. Then you will say unto Aaron. Now this is different. I, I, I didn't realize this yesterday. It's not Moses' rod that becomes a snake in front of Pharaoh. It's Aaron's rod. Now what's amazing is, God says to Moses, I made you as a God in the eyes of Pharaoh and Aaron your prophet. So the prophet can do the signs of God. Okay? That's just for free. So, verse 10. And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh... And before his servants. And it became a serpent. Whose rod? Aaron's rod. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt. And they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Okay, enchantments there is soothsayery. It's, it's words actually. Which is very interesting. It's the abracadabras maybe as we understand it. But it's more. So now the question is how do we deal how do we deal with that light in deception? Now, so you come with the truth. You say God has forgiven you. Now someone comes with the scripture and they say, but this says you have to confess your sins. Anyone have encountered that? Everyone says yes. Like, okay, so now what they're doing is they just, whatever you do, they, they just match it. Okay, so now this is obviously light and darkness, but now... Aaron puts down his rod, becomes a serpent. Pharaoh calls his magicians. And guess what? Same thing happens. Okay? Now, there's a, there's a hidden key here for us. And the key is in the name Aaron. just want to get it here. It's in the name Aaron. Because Aaron means 
Life, light bringer. Light bringer. Okay, so light bringer has a rod. Light bringer puts the rod down. The rod turns into a snake. Can we say darkness bringer, Pharaoh? He brings his magicians, his soothsaying words and spells and confusion, if you will. And they do the same miracle. So it's a form of godliness, yet not the power. Because what happens next is amazing. And it says, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So if I swallow something, if you give me an apple, a, a blueberry and I swallow the blueberry, can you ask for it back? It's done away with. It's similar to taking up a serpent. It's done away with. When we pick up litter, we do away with it. When, when this happened, the snakes, they were gone. They, didn't, they, they lost their rods. <laughs> they lost their rods. They didn't get it back. Because the truth will always overcome. The light bringer will always overcome the darkness. The light will always overcome death. The truth of freedom, of forgiveness, will always overcome the lies of religion. The fact that God has done it will always supersede the fact that you want to still do it. But the light bringer needs to show up. And I'm asking you this morning, are you a light bringer? And the answer is yes. So show up. Bring the message. Bring it clearly. Bring it in clarity. Bring it in truth. Bring the gospel. Don't bring anything else. Amen. Don't bring anything else. Don't be beguiled by the snake. Let's stick and stick to the simplicity of Christ. So we don't play with snakes. We do away with them. We're not enticing doctrines, and the word enticing even means entertaining. You know, I think it's in India where they have these cobras coming out of baskets where you, you play with the cobra, and you make a show of it. That's not what the word says when you make a show of the enemy openly. That's not the same thing. When you make a show of the enemy openly, you crush it. What did Jesus, the, the prophecy of Jesus, Genesis 3.15? There's a serpent, isn't there? He will crush your head. Romans, Paul writes about that and he says, he will beat your head to a pulp. I haven't seen those guys with the flutes. They don't want to beat that snake to a pulp because then they don't make money. We don't play with different doctrines. We deal with it. There's one gospel, there's one Jesus, there's one message. The simplicity of Christ. If not, then you're being beguiled by snakes. You're playing with not just fire, you're playing with poison. So the light bringer, Aaron, brings his rod. Amen? And he puts it down. And now it is cast off. It is cast out. It is done away with. So, it becomes a serpent. And he overcomes. Now, There's a certain verse that says that death is swallowed up in victory. What is a snake a picture of? It's death. So what happens in front of Pharaoh, where Moses or Aaron's rod, the snake, swallows up, the enemy is prophesied in Isaiah 25 
But what happens there in front of Pharaoh is a prophecy of Christ to come. Death is swallowed up in victory. When is death swallowed up in victory? When Christ came down and died, became the snake. He who knew no sin became sin, so that we can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then, Jesus says, All power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. So the snake is now a rod. The power and authority. And now he gives that to us and he says, now you go. You see that when Aaron's snake, or Aaron's rod becomes a snake, Moses doesn't run away. Why? Because he's seen it before. You need to get the message in and then live it out. You need to be pure in the gospel and then share the gospel purely. Oh, death, where is your sting? Amen? Sting? What does the snake do? Oh, Hades, oh, hell, oh, oh, oh place of the dead, where is your victory? The next verse says clearly that the strength of sin is The sting of death is sin. So God has nothing to do with death. Death comes from sin. But the strength of sin is the law. So why do we see more sin where the law is preached? Because we are sending sin to the gym. Clean up. Come clean. Fix up. And we can't. We can't deal with the snakes. Jesus can. We don't swallow up the snakes. He did. So when we have the gospel clearly preached, it swallows up all the lies. You don't need to know which note is fake if you look at money. Um, money. You need to know which one is true. Which one is real. And when you see the one is real, when you know Christ... You know the message, you're secure in that, then people can come with their cunning craftiness and their lies, the snakes all around you, they can whisper in your ears, promise you money, and you just know this is not it. I know the truth. I know the power of God is in the gospel. Amen? Oh, death, where is your sting? Amen? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, I want to ask you one more question. What did Jesus do with the law? He fulfilled it. Meaning, it's now null and void. If I have... When I pay off my car, they're going to give me a letter and say, you have paid off your car, you have fulfilled your obligation, this contract has now been fulfilled, and now we write it over in your name. So when I go to West Bank and I want to pay another installment, they're going to say, sorry sir, there is nothing that you can pay. It has all been paid. So that I can walk around with that paper, and I can feel bad that I owe money, and I can feel depressed, but it's not true. It has been fulfilled. So they cannot go to the sheriff and say, you need to confiscate this car, because why? It's fulfilled. 
So sin has lost its power because the law has been fulfilled. There is no record of ordinances that is against you because it was nailed to the cross. And I, for one, know that only one thing came off the cross alive, and that was Jesus. Amen? Amen. The record of ordinances stayed there. It did not come up. It did not revive. Just like the snakes of, 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 um, of Egypt's magicians didn't revive. They didn't change. They didn't come back to life. They were lost. Now look at this. This is very important from Ephesians. Ephesians 4.14. I'm reading the Amplified Classic. So then, we may no longer be children, tossed like ships and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. They prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery, inventing errors to mislead. You see the snake, wavering, slivering, snaking, playing, entertaining. Rather, let your lives... Live lives lovingly, express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, enfolded in love. Let us grow up in every way and in all things into Him who is the head, even Christ the Anointed One. For because of Him the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it's applied, when each part with power adapted to its needs is working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity and building itself up in love. You see, when we grow up in love, then we don't get boggled down by the lies, by the deception. Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 54. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And this mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying as is written in Isaiah. Isaiah 25 verse 8. Death is swallowed up in victory. The poisonous snakes of Pharaoh's magicians were swallowed up in victory by the rod, the power, the authority of the light bringer. How do we deal with that? We bring the light. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I promise you I've never connected those verses until last night. Oh death, where is your sting? Swallowed up in victory. He who knew no sin became sin, so that we... Then what did he do there? He overcame. He even went into the depths for three days and he overcame there. And then he's risen and erected and now he's taken us with him into heavenly places. Ephesians 2 and verse 6. Now we are seated with him in heavenly places. We're not trying to get there. We are there. Amen? He who knew no sin became sin. The rod became the snake so that we can all now... Oh, it's beautiful. We are new creatures, aren't we? So use the picture metho metaphor with me. We were snakes. In sin. Crawling on our bellies. And he became as we were. A snake. And he swallowed up all of us. Because we've been co-crucified with Him. And He is now lifted up in power and authority. And whatever is old and bad of you is forgotten. Because Pharaoh's magicians left without their rods. You have no past 
before Christ. He who knew no sin became sin so that you can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are one with Him. You're enfolded into love. We cannot separate you and me from God. We cannot separate you and me from love, from goodness, from holiness. Now there's still that incorruption of our bodies that Ephesians 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of. And that's why I believe like the lazy boy is only going back further as we get to know the truth. You know what the lazy boy does? It means you don't want to get up. So the more you indulge in the gospel, the less you want to get up. I mean, get up into another teaching. Get up into another lie, a doctrine, a, a, a soothsaying, if you will. The more we dig into the truth of the gospel, the more we are at rest. We're at peace. We are where God has called us to be. And now we operate from that place. And we say, as it is in heaven, where I am, so let it be on earth. Amen? We are not just caught up in heaven in La La Land. We are there to play a crucial part in this world. But from a place of rest and authority. We're sitting on the throne and we're giving command. I want to give you one thing as we, we close. Psalm 91. Oh, this is good. Psalm 91. Such a holy, well-known... Now, what I, everything I just said about snakes, you must remember... I say, do not go and play with snakes. Yet some people use Psalm 91 to do exactly that. The Bible is spiritual. Okay? So, I'm not going to go through all of it because we'll be here till tomorrow. But verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. So what we do is you need to go to God. And you need to get under His wing. Now, he who has been born again is one with God, so you cannot go to God. So you need to look at this verse differently. You need to look at it differently from the first verse. You are dwelling, haven't we spoken about that now for four weeks, in the secret place of the Most High, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. A fortress is a, a, a place of safety. My God, on Him I lean and rely. In Him I confidently trust. Jump to verse 9. It says, because you have made the Lord your refuge, and the Most High your dwelling place. Past tense. You're not going there. You have decided to embrace the gospel, to become one with Christ, to become one with God. So this is who you are. This is where you are. You have already decided. It's not a, I'm deciding again, I'm deciding again, I'm deciding again. I know of someone who quite, maybe arrogantly, took this verse, and when COVID started, said, I'm going on my holiday that I paid for. And they went on their holiday that they paid for, they left their children with the grandparents, and they were only back eight weeks later because of lockdown. You see, so this verse didn't work for them in the way they applied it. I don't think they got sick, I remember, but that's not what it's about. Okay? It is spiritual. Verse 9 says, Because you have made the Lord your refuge. Verse 10 then says, There shall no evil before you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. What is your tent? Your body. So yes, because God is one with us, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, even when the snake bites us, like in Paul's situation, it will shake it off. But that's not our game. That's not our calling. That's not our purpose. Amen? Our purpose is spiritual. Verse 13. You shall tread upon. You see, there it's again. The lion and the adder, or the cobra, referring to something poisonous and twisting. Speaking about doctrine, it's speaking about lies, it's cunning craftiness, it's playing with you, it's entertaining. 
not the truth. We need to trample on that, amen? Because there's one truth, and it's the simplicity of Christ. The young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. Tread upon, trample. Speaks of going, moving, not just staying. But as we go into an area, we encounter the darkness, we bring the light. As we encounter lies, we bring the truth. As we encounter the things that's not godly, we bring, we lay down ourselves, we lay down our rods, and we pick it up in authority, but we bring light to the darkness, to those areas. Amen? You will, you will, you will tread upon these things. Then verse 14, Because He has set His love upon me, past tense, therefore will I deliver Him. I will set Him on high, because He knows and understands my name. He has personal knowledge of mercy and love and kindness. He trusts on and relies on me, knowing that I will never forsake him, no, not ever. That's the amplification, but that speaks of our new nature create, reality. Hebrews 13.5, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Who? You are one with Christ. I cannot leave you. Even if God wanted to leave you, you cannot, because he will have to leave himself. Because you're so involved and ingrained, and like, if you don't believe me, go read John 17. Jesus' prayer is, Lord, that they would be so one that they don't know who's who. You and me, I and them, your love and me, my love for you, God's love everywhere, amen? You cannot be, like the word enfolded into His love, in Ephesians speaks of when you bring um, yeast into dough. Even anyone ever try to take the yeast out of the dough? It's impossible. So you're enfolded into God. You cannot, he cannot leave you. He doesn't want to, but He couldn't. He made sure that, that you understand it, Amen? Verse 15, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Yes, like when the snake bit Paul's arm, God was there. But that's not Paul's testimony. You see how the world, the people around him were fixated on the external. But Paul wasn't. He was there to bring truth, the gospel. I will deliver him and honor him. Listen to the last verse. With long life. How long? Eternal. This is a prophetic verse about the gospel. With long life will I satisfy him. Why? Because I will show him my salvation. Psalm 91 is about salvation. I believe, yes, we can drink poison and it will not harm us and all those things, but that's not what makes us alive. <laughs> that's not what should make you excited. What should make you excited is the fact that you're saved. The fact that you're born again, the fact that you're one with God, the fact that you're going to be at rest, live with Him for all eternity. The fact that there's no snake that can harm you. No lie that should deceive you. But Paul says you need to be aware. So you don't have to be afraid, but you need to be aware. Because it's cunning, it's crafty, it slips in and it deceives. It's twisting and it sounds right and it looks right. And some people even have financial breakthroughs. I read that the other day, and I was like, let me not comment. God can bring financial breakthroughs. Of course He can. But that's not why we serve Him. It's the least use of our faith. I don't know about you, I want to get to the most use. Which is what? Sharing the gospel. Because therein is the power of God. Amen? I know it's a lot this morning. It was a real teaching. Okay, something meaty. I gave you some snake meat on a plate this morning. <laughs> you can go to some restaurants and they'll give you snake meat. Um, but it's dead. It's cooked. The enemy is dealt with. Amen? 
Like you can eat him all day. You can trample upon him, dance upon him, but more so, this is really where this started. We can go pick it up and do away with it. Let's do away with the lies. Amen? It's always been God's intent from Exodus all the way through to Corinthians. We see the same thing. Revelation even speaks about it. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.